0: The state of Indiana still dealing with a spike in new cases of coronavirus. This week, we hear from Governor Eric Holcomb and Mayor Joe Hogsett on the economic impact of the virus and the potential basketball boon in Indianapolis next year. Plus, more of our interviews with White House Task Force Coordinator Dr. Deborah Burks and former State Health Commissioner Dr. Judy Monroe. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus.
1: Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana...
0: This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. I'm Dan Spieler. Hope you had a good holiday this Thanksgiving weekend may look different for a lot of families amidst this ongoing pandemic as Indiana continues to deal with a spike in new coronavirus cases and hospitalizations Wednesday. We heard from Governor Eric Holcomb, who has been in quarantine after being exposed to a member of his security team. The governor and first lady both tested negative, And this week, Governor Holcomb joined the weekly press briefing virtually to update Hoosiers on the fight against COVID-19. The
2: number of people hospitalized continues to rise and the number of daily hospital admissions is continuing to go up as well.
0: Also this week, the governor facing criticism from a Republican state rep who announced she was stepping down in part because of the governor's coronavirus restrictions and the impact on their family
3: business. The governor has had input from the health uh, community, he's had input from a lot of professionals regarding COVID, Um, but I do think there is something to be said of listening to those who are duly elected and are on the ground. I mean, we are a part-time legislature, we are a citizen legislature, so we could give some insight as well as to how things are affecting our communities, and I feel like that was missing in this process.
4: She says there was no input or approval from state lawmakers on these covid restrictions that they were your unilateral decisions what do you what do you what's your response to that
2: I'll let her speak for herself
4: but you will not respond to that you you do not run these kind of things by any state lawmakers it is your decision to put in the restrictions along with the health department
2: well ultimately it's my responsibility and it's As I said earlier, we are informed by multiple sources, including physicians, epidemiologists, scientists, uh, business owners, various sectors, legislators.
0: All right, we'll have more on that coming up with our panel this week. We also heard from Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett, who's now in quarantine himself. Earlier this week, he spoke with us about the economic impact of COVID-19 and some good news that could be on the horizon with a plan in the works to bring the entire NCAA tournament here to Indy. This as we learn, the NBA All-Star Game won't come here next year because of the pandemic. Russ McQuaid has more. With the lights
2: and decorations, downtown Indianapolis is ready for Christmas, though many business owners are already looking ahead to March and what the NCAA men's basketball tournament could mean for their bottom line. It is a logistical challenge
0: uh, to have uh, essentially 68 teams come to Indianapolis and play in venues throughout the city. Um, So uh, the
2: city's all in. The city is all in, but will the restaurants and shops still be there? At El Toro, the old Acapulco Joe's owner, Israel Vasquez, was loading up produce to take to another one of his restaurants after deciding this past weekend he was done for the winter.
5: Downtown is empty, so we were losing too much money and we decided it was better to close doors.
2: Before the pandemic, there were about 250 places downtown where you could eat or get a drink or coffee. Downtown Indy Inc. says about 40 of those have closed their doors for good.
4: We are meeting every week now to talk about what restaurants are uh, are at risk of, of going under or temporarily closing. How can we find some specific laser focused efforts to sustain those? How can we demonstrate to the NCAA? We have this community that is eager to host them and that will be ready to do so.
2: With the division two final four set in Evansville and division three final four set in Fort Wayne, Mayor Hogsett says it's quite possible that both of those full tournaments will also be played in Indiana in March. In downtown Indianapolis, Russ McQuaid, Fox
0: 59 News. We'll see what happens. Meantime, the NBA All-Star Game, as we said, now scheduled to come to Indy in 2024. Well, we continue to listen very closely to what our medical experts are saying about this pandemic. And so this week, we want to bring you more of our interviews with two experts we spoke with last week, including Dr. Deborah Birx from the White House Coronavirus Task Force. She made news last week telling me she would welcome a role in the Biden administration and that she thinks the transition team should indeed get access to the task force and its data. That process could soon be moving forward. We also spoke about the sharply rising case numbers here and across the country. How do we turn these rising case numbers around?
4: Well, the good news is we know exactly what to do um, because we've handled this in the South. Um, The South looked like Indiana in July and they put in mass mandates. They told people to physically distance. They told them to practice good personal hygiene. But most importantly, they told them to limit gatherings to their immediate household only because every single gathering can become a spreading event because the level of asymptomatic spread where the person coming into your house, whether they're your aunt, your uncle, your cousin, your niece could be infected and spreading the virus unknowingly.
0: And you can find that entire interview on our website. Just click on In Focus. But right now, here's more of my interview with former state health commissioner, Dr. Judy Monroe.
4: Everybody's got pandemic fatigue. We totally get that. It's holidays, everybody wants to be with family. And yet, with these surging numbers, the only way to turn it around right now, before we have the vaccine available, which is coming, uh, we really need everybody to follow all the advice in terms of. Uh, you know, washing their hands and keeping their distance, but particularly wearing a mask and avoiding crowds. And so when it comes to the holidays, um, it's just really important that folks not travel and uh, alter their plans and keep it small.
0: So just about all the states bordering Indiana have taken aggressive new actions in recent days, adding some new restrictions. Our state has not gone quite to that extent yet. Do you think more needs to be done in that regard?
4: Well, it may. It really does depend on, on how these numbers. I know in Indiana, the hospitals are pretty overwhelmed right now. And we really have to think about the hospital staff, particularly. You don't want to overrun your hospitals. And so there might be a need for more aggressive. I, you know, I applaud the governor. He's really modeling. I know he's in quarantine right now. And uh, you know, he has uh, had the mask uh, mandate. And so that, that's all really, really positive
0: does there need to be a different approach generally across the country instead of a a state-by-state pattern?
4: Well, I think consistent messaging is really important, right? Because we don't want to confuse the public. And um, I think that's coming out stronger now with more governors having the mask mandates and so forth. Uh, But it's really, when you have a pandemic, the virus doesn't care. You know, the virus doesn't care what political party you're with. They don't care what time of the year it is. Uh, It will seize upon the winter time when everybody's indoors. And so we are facing this really critical time right now between now and the vaccine. The the winter months are upon us. So I do think we need to have consistency in messaging. Um, We need our data. Data is super important because we are a large country. So what one state is able to do in terms of being open may look different from another another state. Although right now, the whole country is uh, facing a lot of virus, a lot of viral spread.
0: How hopeful are you for 2021 that we can turn things around and that these vaccines, obviously some really good news about the vaccines here in recent weeks, that they can indeed make a difference uh, at some point here next year?
4: I applaud the science. I mean, you know, it is remarkable what's happened uh, in 2020 in terms of innovation and scientific discovery. And so the fact that we have two vaccines and more on the way, but uh, the efficacy of these two vaccines is fantastic. There's a lot of uh, planning that needs to take place at the local level, at the state, and then the local level to make sure that shots get in arms, because vaccines are, they're terrific, uh, but only if they actually get in the arms of people and and folks trust that the vaccine is safe. But I'm I'm optimistic. I think uh, 2021, we should be able to turn things around if we all work collectively and
0: follow the science. You, you served uh, as state health commissioner under, under Governor Daniels here in, in Indiana at a time when uh, people may not have known the name of every state health commissioner as they do now um, across these 50 states. What are your thoughts uh, for Dr. Box and the many other health commissioners who, who now uh, have the job you once held here as they, as they navigate uh, the, this health
4: crisis? Yeah, you know, I've I've been in contact with a lot of health officers in my position at the CDC Foundation and supporting CDC. And I, you know, first of all, my hats off to them. They they really are my heroes. The and the whole all the health departments and the and all the the clinical workers in the hospitals as well. I mean, this has not been easy, um, and it's been so long. I mean, during H1N1 uh, that was a pandemic, but we didn't face what they're facing today. Um, one of the things that's been really uh, upsetting to me has been some of the backlash against the. Our health officers, I mean, they have all become household names, I think, in each of their states, and, uh, but there's been backlash, and they're just trying, they really are trying to be public servants and get the message out. I mean, they, what they care about is saving lives and keeping people healthy, and uh, the more that everybody follows the, the guidance and, and the behaviors, that's how we keep our economy open. It's not an either-or. I mean, we can, we can keep things open, but folks need to wear those masks and keep the distance, and, you know, keep we have to be vigilant.
0: And can we, broadly speaking, kind of navigate that, that divide that exists? Because as you mentioned, there's there's a backlash sometimes. Uh, people have strong feelings one way or the other. Perhaps they're not well informed on the situation. H- how do we bridge that gap so that people have that kind of awareness that's that's critical to getting through this until, until the vaccines are available for everyone?
4: That's a, a terrific question. We've actually been working on that at the CDC Foundation uh, with other partners, uh, working with community-based organizations. I think I think it comes down to trusted messengers. Uh, and so those that resist wearing a mask or, or, you know, we've even had across the country people that don't even believe the virus is real, um, even after they're critically sick themselves, I think the, the messenger matters. And I think they need to hear from their trusted uh, community uh, leaders. So that, that's why I've, I've told a lot of folks, everybody has an opportunity to help with this uh, in terms of the trust with their, in their spheres of uh, influence.
0: Dr. Judy Monroe, former State Health Commissioner with us. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, President-elect Biden making more cabinet nominations. We'll talk with our panel about the incoming administration and the potential Indiana impact, then later one state lawmaker proposing big changes to the way we conduct our elections in Indiana. Stick around, we'll be right back. Welcome back. Time to bring in our panel right now joining us this week, Mike Murphy, Rima Shahid, Robin Winston, and Tony Samuel. Let's start with Tony, who is vice chair for the Indiana Trump campaign in 2016. Tony, this week, the ascertainment process, the transition finally became official in many ways for president-elect Biden. What took so long and how do you respond to those who, who called the president's refusal to concede a troubling moment for our democracy?
1: I don't think it was uh, as big a deal as the national media has made it out to be. Um, it's uh, the transitions on its way. You know, Joe Biden's uh, been uh, uh, in D.C. for 47 years, and he was vice president for eight years. So I think he knows his way wa- around the White House. He's also, uh, regarding the transition, picking the same folks that were part of the uh, uh, Obama-Biden administration. It's really the empire striking back. You remember these guys? Well, these these are the folks that... Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, that Biden's putting in uh, uh, to his national security team. These are the same people that let uh, Russia steal Crimea from the Ukraine. They're the same people with the bad Iran deal that gave billions and billions of dollars to Iran. Uh, they're the same people that cozied up to the Castro's in Cuba. They're the same uh, folks that uh, allowed NATO and other European countries to take advantage of us and take. Uh, more money or or spend less money than they should in in defense of their own countries. I could go on and on. They're the same people that allowed uh, uh, ISIS to take over Iraq and part of Syria. So, you know, uh, there's going to be a lot of Biden remorse is what I call it, what I've heard others call it. And you're seeing that also from uh, the squad and the, the far left progressives. They're not happy with these picks. They're not happy with his OMB okay. director. You're going to see a lot more of that uh, coming okay. from the left. I, I know
0: you love the Star Wars props, uh, as always. Let's turn to Reema Shahid with Women for Change, Indiana. Rema, I want to get your response to that and also what this transition means for women in America. It appears a number of women will be making history, not just the vice president, but also the new DNI and perhaps Janet Yellen, who could become the first woman to be chosen as Treasury Secretary.
6: Yeah. Thank you. And I don't know if we're going to have time for winners and losers this week, but my winner is going to be Tony for bringing the props amidst (laughs) everything that's happening. So um, thanks, Tony, for the props today. I I think that this is a moment where we're going to see the United States return to normalcy. The United States, after four years of chaos, you're going to see the United States regain its position in the world. Um, and have some stability that's long needed that we lost during these last four years. And President-elect Biden is really doing what he said he's going to do, and that is surround himself with moderate folks and women who should have long been part of this conversation um, through prior administrations and were left out. And you're going to see these folks come together and really make sure that America and the American people that have been very loud and clear in making their selection, I think that just pushing back a little bit, I think the number of people that came out and voted showed that there was a remorse because of the outgoing president, not because of the incoming president. And that's very true. And I'm really excited for all the women that are now having these positions and all the young girls that because representation matters and seeing these women in these positions matters. And you're going to see that's having a long-lasting, multi-generational effect.
0: Okay, let's bring in former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy. Mike, you had that report from Carl Bernstein that some 20 Republican senators, quote, despised the president, according to his reporting. Senators Young and Braun among them, though, it's something they have both tried to deny and push back on this week. Where is the GOP now as we move into
7: this post-Trump world? I think the GOP is in the midst of a long period of navel-gazing, quite frankly, um, you know, the voters did not reject, I want to make sure you understand, that voters did not reject Trump's policies. They rejected Trump. We have, in 2024, we will elect a conservative Republican president, whether it's Mike Pence, Rick Scott, Ben Sasse, uh, Nikki Haley, there's, there's five or six or seven, which all make great conservative presidents. Trump was not a conservative. And some people like to think he was. He wasn't. The hero this week, the hero of the Republican Party this week should be Aaron Van Langdeveld, the Michigan canvasser who certified and stood up against all this national pressure, certified the election as he should have by the rule of law. That man committed what I think is the civilian version of earning the Medal of Honor because his career is gone now But he stood up for the rule of law. Okay. Finally, Robin Winston, former state party chair for the
0: Indiana Democrats. Uh, Your response to that, but also I want to get your sense of where things stand now for for Democrats, both on the national level and here in Indiana, where another tough election. Has state Democrats looking for new leadership and a new party chair?
5: Well, I'm uniquely qualified to talk about being a party chair. I was one when Frank O'Bannon was governor. Uh, We have to rebuild the party by taking our campaign to all 92 counties, not just the donut. We had to make sure that we get out and talk with people in Sheridan, Indiana, as well as on Main Street and in communities across our state. We had to also make sure that we make it a steadfast effort to diversify the recruitment of our candidates. When we've done that in the past, we've been able to have leadership that it resulted in speakers of the house, governors, attorney generals, and other positions. We can do that again as it relates to the national party Uh, We are the most diverse party ever. We put an African-American female in the White House as vice president. That sets a tone that will ripple all the way through cabinet meetings and things like that. Lastly, 80 million people voted for Joe Biden. 80 million people. So I don't know what Tony's talking about, buyers or Biden remorse. 80 million people voted for this guy to be president of the United States. Tony,
0: That's tremendous. what about the tension within the Republican Party over the pandemic and the protocols the governor has put in place? We saw State Representative Christy Stutzman stepping down this week, blasting the governor in the process. How do the politics of the pandemic play out here in Indiana?
1: Well, you know, you see this across the country. Uh, uh, several Democrat governors and Democrat mayors have taken this way too far here in Indiana You saw uh, in the election and I think uh, uh, Rainwater, the Libertarian candidate got 12%. Those are folks uh, generally, the increase was from people that aren't uh, happy with the restrictions. There's a balance that has to be made. Uh, The governor's doing everything he can to save Hoosier lives. And he's, he should be commended for that. At the same time, it's tough on businesses. I think that every worker is essential. So we've got to strike the right balance. We've got to keep working at it. And I think working with the legislature is the, the right thing to do. And hopefully we'll see uh, maybe uh, an improvement uh, by the end of the legislative session, if not sooner, hopefully.
0: Rima, your thoughts on how state and local leaders are handling this health crisis?
6: I think that my my heart goes out to all those that have small businesses. I know that I'm married to a small business owner and it it's very difficult right now. I think the times are very, very difficult. I think that we have to, in times of crisis, think about our neighbors. And it's simple. You wash your hands and don't come into gatherings. People are unfortunately not believing in science again. And you you see this playing out many, many times. And so I I agree with Tony, it's about striking that balance to make sure that we protect jobs, we protect families and homes, and we also make sure that this virus is under control. And I don't think that that's really happening right now.
0: Continues to be a big issue for local governments as well this week. You had Carmel Mayor uh, Jim Brainerd, in fact, on a call with the president-elect talking about that need for more assistance for local governments, too. Our thanks to the panel. Coming up next this Sunday in Focus, one state lawmaker proposing big changes to the way we conduct our elections in Indiana. Stick around. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back. We are your local election headquarters. And as we look back at the November election here in Indiana, some lawmakers are looking to make changes in the way our state conducts elections. Kayla Sullivan has more from the State House.
8: For me, it's just we represent the people, and I think the people were speaking very loudly during this past election.
3: Democratic State Senator J.D. Ford says the changes in his election bill came straight from people he saw and spoke with at the polls.
8: There were folks, including myself, I had to wait in line to vote for three and a half
3: hours. Ford's bill would allow all Hoosiers to vote by mail without needing an excuse. This is something Republicans, including Governor Eric Holcomb, did not support in the general election, even during the pandemic.
2: We proved that we could do it safely
3: earlier this month the governor stated the election went very well
2: we showed how it could be done and what you heard from people who were turning out in person their narrative was they wanted to vote in person
8: that was part of their civic duty i do think that the election went very well all i'm asking for is for us to take a look at the election law and improve upon some of these areas. The
3: bill would also extend polling hours until 7 p.m., create a clearer ballot tracking system, and allow workers to start counting mail-in ballots the day before election day.
8: To bump it up 24 hours. Let's start counting those ballots on Monday. Now, of course, we're, you know, we're not going to share the results of those, you know, the, of that counting until it's time to do that, tweaking a few things here and there to make it even better is a win for us and a win for voters of our state.
3: From the Indiana Statehouse, I'm Kayla Sullivan.
0: Now, Indiana certified its results this past week. The Secretary of State's office tells us nearly two-thirds of eligible Hoosiers cast a ballot this year, the highest turnout in 12 years. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving weekend. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.